The book of Joshua chapter 24, a well-used passage, a very fitting passage. We're going to talk about the family this evening, and I want this to be a kickoff. I guess you should say uh, Rusty's going to teach on the family, but this is going to be a kickoff of that. I want to fire a warning shot at you about the family. In the book of Joshua 24, he says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorite in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, he says, we will serve the Lord. And that's the idea. That's the plan is to have families that are strong, families that are dedicated to the Lord. And I know that you're here today in part because you want to have a strong family. You want your family to prosper and grow. But I'm going to tell you something. The family in America is a tragedy. Families in America are under assault from every direction. And I did a little research just for this topic tonight, and as far as I can understand, about 40% of every child that is born in America is born into a single family. 40%. In some groups within America, it's above 70% of all children who are born are not born into a family. They're born to a single mother or a single father. And I'll tell you, the devil's design is to destroy the family because as the family goes, the church goes. If families are strong and families are dedicated to the Lord, then the church will be strong and the church will be dedicated to the Lord. And so I want to fire a warning shot to you today. I want you to heed this warning. It's a critical warning. And it will be valuable for you in many ways. There are threats to the family. And we're going to talk about several threats tonight that listen carefully to me. These will destroy your family. You will not have a family. These are very serious and they're very threatening. And it's critical and vital that we give thought to these things. And the first one, you may say, Sean, you're just too simple. You're too simple a person. But the first one is ignorance. Ignorance. We wouldn't think about that. Maybe you would think of politics or, or culture or the Rainbow Coalition or some kind of New Age movement. Ignorance is a great threat to the family today. And I want you to give some thought with me to that. In the book of Hosea chapter 4, I hope you memorize this scripture. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This was true in ages ago, and it's very true today. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. And you husbands and wives need to listen very carefully. If you are ignorant of God's Word, it will destroy your family. And if you are ignorant of God's Word, you will prepare your children to fail, to struggle, to flounder in this life. 
And so I want to talk about a process, little things. Husbands and wives don't develop good study habits. It's, it's hard. Life is busy and there's a lot of things to do. And especially when we're young and we first marry, we need to try to develop good study habits. You should try that now. If you've been married 50 years and you don't have good study habits, I'd encourage you to develop those now. Develop a pattern of reading and studying God's Word because without knowledge and without understanding, we are de destined to fail. And so what happens along the way is husbands and wives don't develop good study habits. We turn on the TV, we busy ourselves with pastimes and other things, and we just simply don't dedicate the time that we should to study. And this leads down a path to other things. The Scriptures teach us over and again, I could read a hundred passages, study to show thyself approved unto God. We're taught that. We're commanded that. You've heard that over and over. Just because it's been taught many times, don't turn a deaf ear to it today. Apply it to your life. You young people that are here that have just married, develop good study habits today. Study together. Learn from God's Word together and question those things together. Study to be approved of God. And so along the way, because we don't develop good study habits, husbands and wives tend to fail. We don't teach our kids. I'm embarrassed to say I have sat down in so many homes within the church and talked to kids about very basic Bible things. They don't know. Turn to the book of Genesis. Where is that? What do you think about musical instruments in the church? Well, I don't know. What would you do if you had to tell someone to be saved? Teenagers or 20-year-old people that have grown up within the church, I really don't know. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. That's a failure. I'm going to tell you, it's a threat to the family. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 to Timothy, he says, Continue thou in the things thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now listen, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scripture. Start when they're children and teach them. Educate them. Show them the way of Christ and the way of the salvation. Teach them how to be saved and dedicate them to God through study. Turn off the TV. Put down the phones. Sit down together at the kitchen table and open God's Word and discuss it as a family and learn those things. And so children grow up in ignorance. And it's like mom and dad are not there. They might as well not be. And children are left to themselves to learn about the hard knocks of life and the difficulties of life because, my friend, they're coming. The challenges your children face are tremendous. The exchange of information and the ability to see things and involve themselves in things, a lot of kids today are growing up in Christians' homes without their parents, teaching them and training them. And so children cannot resist the temptations of life. In the book of Psalms 19, verse 11, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. And kids don't get that. 
They're not trained in how to resist the devil by their parents because they lack knowledge and they lack understanding. And so they get involved in things they should not. They go places they should not. And they try things that they should not. And do you think that affects them? Absolutely it does. And so children struggle with sin their whole life. And they grow weary of it. And they feel like failures. And they say, I'm through with church. No use for church. Because I can't live up to the standard and they don't understand and they fall away from the church. And parents come to me and say, talk to my kids. They're grown and they don't go to church. They're grown and they're hooked on dope. They're grown and they're involved in sin and they won't listen and they won't come. And it's a little late. Things should have happened a long time ago. Because children who are ignorant and get involved in sin, it's very simple. They are taken captive by Satan at his will. And he has them. And through ignorance, the family fails. And a family that was at church, a family that was involved in church, a family that came here and worshipped and occupied one of these pews, they're here no longer. And that family fails. Threat to the family. Worldliness. I told Rusty several years ago, I said, worldliness is cancer in the church cancer it just rides underneath and we don't see it until it pops up somewhere and we got a real problem and the Bible is full of teaching about this 1 John 2 verse 15 love not the world neither the things that are in the world it's a threat it's an allurement and it's enticing to us Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But it's so easy to get wrapped up in the world and walk in the world. And the world's got cool things for our kids to do. And the world's entertaining. And the world's enjoyable. And those things are popular. And all the other kids are doing those things. There's a lot of warnings from Scripture. And many times I see... Husbands and wives fail to prioritize. We got 19 things to do. We got 19 things to do this week. We can do 13 of them. We can't do them all. And we've got to make choices and decisions. Are we going to study the Bible? Are we going to go to the ball game? Are we going to go to Wednesday night service? Are we going to go to Cub Scouts? There's choices to be made, and these choices are critical to our lives. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Where? First. First. And his righteousness. Seek God. Seek his kingdom and God's righteousness. Dedicate your family to God and show your family through your life that God is more important. Show your children that it's good to turn off the TV and open the Bible and read. Show your children, even when you're tired, 
We're going to get up and we're going to go worship. We're going to take time and we're going to go visit the sick in the hospital. We're going to go talk to other people about Jesus. Dedicate your children to the world, to God and not the world. And the family puts very little emphasis on spiritual life. When we get things out of order and our priorities are wrong, we put little emphasis on spiritual life, little emphasis on study. Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world. That's what we do. I, I re recall vividly a, a teacher came to me and she said, I know you're going to be angry at me. I said, what have you done? She said, we've got the Christmas program on Wednesday night. And I know y'all have church and I know you won't come. I said, you're doggone right. You are to know better than that. We're not coming. We're not going to be a part of that. We're not going to conform, you see. And when we conform into those things, we teach a lesson to our children. And so emphasis is on T-ball and Girl Scouts and YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and, oh, go do that with your friends and we won't worry about the church. We'll go do this and we'll go do that. And the church can be down here at 3 or 4 or 19. And we teach our children a lesson about what's really important. And so children learn skewed priorities. We should train up a child in the way he should go. And we train them to skip church. We train them to not worry about reading your Bible. We train them don't worry about wearing those clothes. It's popular. Go ahead. It may not cover you up, but don't worry about it. We train them, well, go ahead and go to that movie and listen to that song because it's okay. Your friends are doing it. Along the way, children pursue those skewed priorities as an adult. And through worldliness, the family fails. And maybe mom and dad stay in church, but the children... They go to college and they quit. I talked to a preacher in the Church of Christ a couple of years ago and I said, how many children, when they get to college, children that grow up in the Church of Christ, quit going to church? You know what his answer was? 75%. That makes me want to puke. I don't believe it's 75% here. Whatever the number is, too high. Threat to the family. Sexual immorality. It's rampant in the world. Rampant on the TV. Rampant on the internet. Rampant in magazines and in schools through text messages and Snapchats. This is a parasite to the church and to families. In the book of 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you that as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust. Notice what he says, which war against the soul. And this is an absolute threat to your family. And, and we live in the world of it. And so along the way, we have parents that, that lack self-control. We need to be men and women of self-control. The Bible calls it temperance in 2 Peter 1, verse 5. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance. 
Add that to your life, folks. Practice it. Be diligent with it. Work with it to have self-control, to control your mind, to control your eyes, to control your thoughts. Add, he says, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. Why? Now listen, for if these things be in you, if self-control is in you, and abound, they make you that you shall be to be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you as parents to practice self-control. Study self-control. Fast. Discipline yourself. And teach your children the same thing. To control their minds. To control their eyes. To control their tongues. And so, Dad, since he lacks self-control, allows himself to have lustful thoughts. And he thinks about things he should not. Sexual things. Lustful things. And the scriptures are full of teaching about it. Philippians 4 verse 8 teaches us directly on the kind of things we should think about. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good reward, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. But Dad doesn't think on those things. He thinks on lustful things. And nobody knows and nobody sees and I can't see into your heart. But instead of being a temperate man and a man who thinks on good things, he thinks on evil things and then he starts to view porn. And his wife don't know and the kids don't know and nobody at church knows, but he views it and he watches it and he lusts in it. And it begins to consume a man. It begins to get into his heart he watches it more and more along the way. In Job 31, verse 1, he says, I have made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a man? We, should, we shouldn't look at him. You shouldn't fulfill that lust. You shouldn't give the devil a place in that way. The consequences are terrible. The effect is too numerous to mention. And because Dad does these things, we lose him. He ceases to teach Scripture. He can't teach his children about self-control. He has none. He becomes an absentee dad, a fake dad, a dad who loves pornography but goes to church, a dad who feels guilt every time he prays, a dad who can't talk to his son about those things, and it's like he's not there. There's consequences and there's an effect because mom catches dad viewing pornography. And the children witness the destruction of their parents' marriage because mom hates dad now. I'm not talking about a little bit. I'm talking about hates his guts. And there's no trust there. And mom can't trust dad. And children are perceptive and they pick up on those things. And they go through a tragedy 
in their life at a young age or as teenagers, they witness this union of love turn into a bond of hatred. Proverbs 7 describes it this way, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With flattering of her lips she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stalks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me ye now therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. Now listen, for she has cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men. Strong men. Many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. You think that's going to affect a family? I'll guarantee you it happens every day, brethren. And children resent dad and they grow up in dysfunction and they flee their parents because all the parents do is fight if they stay together. And children who grow up in dysfunction are not prepared to function. Not prepared for the challenges and the difficulties. And they learn to hate those things. As you know, dad repents, praise God. And he comes back to the church. And through sexual immorality, the family fails because mom and the children, they hate dad. And they walk away. And you've seen it, and I've seen it. And it will happen right here. And let that be a warning. A threat to the family. Covetousness. Don't teach on it as much as we should. We live in a covetous world. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. He who dies with the most toys wins. Colossians 3, 5, mortify. It means kill, put to death. Mortify your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We have warning after warning, and it is a threat to the family, and it will destroy your family. But you know, mom wants things. A new car, a bigger house. We need a boat to go to the lake. I need to buy a new bull. Told Rusty I'd work in a cow reference. I need a new bull. Bulls are expensive. And we want and we need and credit's easy. And so we get a credit card and we buy things we oughtn't to buy along the way. But we're told and warned over and again, Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. Live your life without covetousness. Why? Be content with such things as you have. We've got enough. We've got enough. Because the Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so the parents go gambling. 
We go on our dream vacation. We can't afford it. We put it on the card. And we get the house payment and the car payment and another car payment and a boat payment. And we pay for the vacation. We finance that along the way. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things which he possesses. You're not a better person because you've got a diesel or a four-door or a bigger house. You're not a better person because you've got diamond rings. You're not closer to God because you have all the latest fashions or all the possessions of life. And so credit card debt spirals. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. Now listen, which drown men in destruction. And perdition. And we don't think this is going to affect the family. Well, that's not what God says. Covetousness will destroy you. It will drown you. It will destroy your family and your children. And so, dad works extra hours. A second job, a third job. Mom works extra. We got to meet the bills and pay the bills and pay for all these Cokes and pizzas that we've financed along the way. And that's what the scripture says will happen in Proverbs 22, 7. The rich ruleth over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. And so we owe the credit card company. So we work these extra jobs. And because of that along the way, dad's not here at church. He's got to work. He's got to make extra money. And so he's an absentee father. He's not there in the evenings to study Scripture with the children. He's not there to teach them along the way. No time for study. No time for church. Can't. Got to work. No time for church activities. We neglect worship. And it makes an impression on our children. And children are dedicated possessions rather than dedicated to God. I've seen it over and over. I can have a talk with your kids about the latest, greatest. Phones, computers, cars, you name it. Can't have a talk about Scripture. We lose our children for stuff. And the world packages it up real nice and says, oh, you're making memories. It's a threat. And through covetousness, the family fails. And families who once were here, who came here, who sang praises to God, who broke bread, we saw their children baptized here and rejoiced. They're not, they're not here. They're out in the world, chasing the world better job, more money, bigger house. The family fails. I want to wrap up with a couple of passages tonight. Proverbs 22, 8. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. You cannot put God second or third 
while you raise your children and expect children to put God first. It doesn't happen. It won't happen. And there's precious little time by the time those boogers are born and learn how to walk and crawl and talk, there's precious little time till you have taught them the standard they ought to pursue in life. Another passage I think puts it a little better. Hosea 8 verse 7, For they have sown the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. Your kids may pursue what you have pursued a little harder, a little better, a little more dedicated. Dad, you get involved in pornography, your son may pursue it a little harder. Family involved in worldliness, children, children pursue it a little more. Raise your daughter with a standard of covetousness. She's going to seek a man who's going to provide her all the toys and all the cars and all the stuff because it's the standard I want, a little better than mom and dad. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Now, I'm going to stop right there. And just, God's merciful. We make a lot of mistakes as parents. I've certainly made a lot of mistakes as a father, me and my wife. The Lord's gracious, and the Lord's forgiving, and the Lord is good. And if you've made terrible mistakes as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, together, repent of those mistakes. Change your life. Turn to God and dedicate yourself to God. Tell your children you were wrong to do those things, to think those things, to act that way. And dedicate them to God. But keep reading with me. He will by no means clear the guilty. Now listen, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and fourth generation. You sow the wind and they reap the whirlwind. The family, the church family, that's how it should work. Those family produce families. Those children grow up in the Lord, are dedicated to the Lord, dedicate themselves to the Lord. They marry someone who loves the Lord. And they start a little family. And those parents are dedicated to the Lord and serve the Lord, and they raise those children to love the Lord. And they dedicate those kids to the Lord and... And maybe they start a big family. And through a couple of generations, we have a lot of families who could follow it back and be dedicated to the Lord because a family a long time ago in the Lord sowed the wind in the Lord and those families grew up in the Lord and reaped the whirlwind. What a glorious day. What a wonderful thing. A foundation of strength that could be traced back in every family 
to a husband and wife who dedicated themselves to God, who studied the scriptures, who avoided the trap of worldliness, who were temperate and did not give in to sexual immorality, who were not covetous but dedicated of themselves and donated to the church of their time and their money and their life. And you see, we have reaped the whirlwind. But along the way, one man or one woman fails. And we witness that. We see that. Their pew is empty. And it grieves us to whatever degree because we see families fail and we watch them go out and they're gone. But what we don't realize is the future is gone too. All the descendants of that family, all those generations who would be in the church, maybe not here, maybe some other place, would be a blessing and strength and praise to God and glorify God. And the Lord knows we need more soldiers to work in the work of the kingdom. We need more people to tell the story of Christ. We need more teachers in this church and every other church. We need more elders and deacons along the way. We need more people like you out telling other people along the way, but we can't do it if you fail. can't do it. And where one person fails, you as a husband fails or you as a wife hundreds fail we never see them we never know who they are they grow up out in the world they grow up belonging to the devil and not Christ it's a threat to the family I ask you to get out your songbooks this evening <clears throat> I hope you take it as a warning certainly not an indictment a warning dedicate yourself to God the habits that you have that are a threat put effort to those things to change with God's word we can change every one of us and be what he would have us to be Jerry said it God cannot fail dedicate yourself in whatever path you're on today if it's not a path that is dedicated to God if you're in a walk of life that is not leading you and your family to God then get off 